Hey guys, welcome back to the channel. This is an interview I did with Chris Lieben. It was a complete honor to speak to him. Really enjoyed this interview. He was so gracious with his time, super humble. I hope you guys enjoy this chat as much as I did. So Chris, um, I guess I'll get started with the uh, the first question. Um, So what was your first experience with like martial arts and, and how did you become a prize fighter? Well, you know, uh, I mean, I did various martial arts as a kid. I did some wrestling in uh, like second and third grade. I did, uh, you know, the old school karate at the rec center. Right, right. Uh, kind, kind of stuff. Um, but really, it was, the big one was, you know, in, in middle school, for some reason, I don't know why, all my friends were skateboarders, but I decided I was going to start boxing. Wow. So, you know, I would catch the bus across town, mm-hmm. Mount Scott Rec Center, where it was, uh, you know, we were low income, so I got to basically go there for free, and I would go there and, and box every day. Yeah. Hmm. So how did how did your first experience with boxing, like, how did you do early on? Did you have a natural, like, knack for, for like, you know, striking? Uh, you know, uh, I've always been a little bit of a slugger, you know, they would put me in, you know, at the time. Yeah. What was I? I was a year about 12, 13 years old, you mm-hmm. know, and, you know, I was boxing 18, 20 year olds, you know, doing, wow. I guess doing okay, doing yep. okay, you know, um, I think I was 147 pounds. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then, uh, when I made the switch to high school, um, kind of a long story, but I ended up getting tripped by a jock in the hallway, mm. decided that, uh, found out he was on the wrestling team, so I joined the wrestling team late, mm-hmm. coach, after some sweet talking, the coach let me on, <laughs> and, uh, you know, then I decided I was going to train wrestling year-round, yep, yep. so I wrestled year-round, finally, when sophomore year came up, I, I ended up beating him out, the guy that tripped me for his, uh, for his varsity spot. Wow, that's crazy. So, yeah. That's a, that's amazing. Um, wrestling is such a strong base on mixed martial arts also. That's that's crazy. Um, so you just had a natural just knack. Um, were you like, do, do you consider yourself physically gifted from young, or did you have to work really hard? Not at all. I'm, uh, I'm extremely clumsy as as as. As professional athletes go, mm-hmm. I'm extremely clumsy. Wow. As, a, as a normal human being, I would say, you know, I'm above average, mm-hmm. you know, in coordination. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it was it was weird because something clicked, you know, like mm-hmm. um, for me, sometime between fresh, freshman year, I was a 50-50 guy mm-hmm. as a freshman. Mm-hmm. And then my sophomore year... You know, I won uh, two thirds of my matches mm. for the varsity team. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what it was that clicked in my brain, something clicked. You know, definitely, I, you know, I ended up getting most improved on the wrestling team and everything else. But, but I, I, I learned how to learn. Mm-hmm. I, I was kind of in a in a daze a lot as a kid. Yeah, and then I, I found something that I was actually interested in mm-hmm. and learned how to focus. Wow. Okay. Wow. So, um, 
so that competitive drive kind of hit you at that point and um and you were really into what you were doing the wrestling and the competitiveness yeah yeah the competitiveness uh definitely uh it's what motivated me you know and mm-hmm. people can say what they want about it you know holding that grudge is what made me wrestle for that guy tripping me and uh if it wasn't for wrestling i never would have graduated high school wow so, that's crazy, you know, yeah. You know, take, take from that what you want. You know, the only reason I ever stayed in high school was because I felt like my wrestling team was my family. Mm-hmm, you, know, mm-hmm. connected, you know, we were a very, uh, a very tight team. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I could care less about school and grades. You know, my brother had dropped out by the time he was a freshman. Mm-hmm. Um, matter of fact, I think I'm the only person from my family grandparents aunts uncles that's ever graduated high school wow yeah the whole the whole team camaraderie thing is amazing chris um i rested in high school as well and uh, i trained mixed martial arts for a while but i never competed but um definitely there was like that team aspect of it um so chris um for your first fight were were you with team quest when you had your first match or, or did you have your first fight before that no i was with i was with team quest um you know, funny story. My my brother called me, and he says, "Dude, I'm selling cars. I got a job at a new car lot, <laughs> and fucking Matt Linlin and Randy Couture are kicking the shit out of each other in the garage." That's crazy. And I went, "What?" I said, "What? I'll be there right now." Because obviously, you know, well, <laughs> the UFC even back then was a huge fan of Randy. Right, right. <laughs> I came down, and sure enough, they were there at that time. Team Quest was a <clears throat> an old rundown uh, auto mechanic shop in the back of a car lot where they had just thrown down a, uh, a wrestling mat. Wow. You know, I met Robert Fallis that day. The front desk consisted of a, a torn up, uh, love seat mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, and a front desk made out of a sheet of plywood. Oh my God. And, you know, I think I, I was the 12th member ever at King quest. That's amazing. Um, that's, that's crazy. Um, so, so Chris, um, besides, uh, uh, fighting and your fighting career, um, was there any other thing you wanted to be growing up just out of curiosity, any like crazy dreams that the fans would get a kick out of? Nothing. Ah, okay. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. You know, fair enough. All my, all my eggs were in one basket. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought it one. you know, my, before I was fighting, my entire life was dedicated to skateboarding. Mm. You know, um, you know, I, I would skip school and go to Burnside skate park every day, skateboard all night. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and some of my, my friends, you know, who are still my friends to this day, they ended up going, you know, pro and semi pro, yeah. never really making a, 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 a good living at it. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. they're phenomenal skateboarders. Now they're pushing 40 and still skateboarding around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but, uh, but, but, um, I just, I got too big. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, for skateboarding, mm. you know, I kept getting bigger and those falls kept getting harder. And, oh, you know. yeah. Cause you got to be kind of like a little bit thinner and like a little wiry for skateboarding, right? I, I mean, I think so. I think so. And like I said, you know, as I grew, you know, it took me a while to, uh, for my coordination to grow into my body, I think, you know, I was a little bit, a little bit clumsy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
<clears throat> now, Chris, in, in your fighting career, um, do you remember like either like your toughest fight or or your toughest opponent? Anybody that comes to mind? Well, you know, um, there's a lot of them, but uh, mm -hmm. the one that uh, always comes to mind for me was before I was in the UFC. Mm -hmm. It was at a show up in uh, Washington called the Battle in Seattle. Okay. And I, I fought a guy named Otto Olson. Mm. I don't know if you remember Otto Olson. Otto Olson was an All-American from Michigan State. Mm -hmm. I think he ended up losing to Josh Koscheck, actually. Okay. Um, the, the NCAA finals. Mm -hmm. He also took second in Abu Dhabi. Uh, I think he lost to Marcelo Garcia mm -hmm. way back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, he was undefeated. Um went up to fight him. This was one of my last amateur fights mm -hmm. and he got me in this patented choke. Mm. And my, my friend has it on camera. You see me lift my hand to tap mm -hmm. and I go unconscious. Oh, jeez. Kind of and, uh, the ref though, uh, Joe Durabio is on the other side. Mm -hmm. So he doesn't, he doesn't see it. Otto then kind of readjusts to, um, you know, to sink the choking because he thinks it's not working. I get a little burst of air, mm -hmm. somehow get my head out, pop up. I'm like stumbling across the ring as he steps in to hit me. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I just slept him with my left. Wow. Well, that's like, crazy. What is it? A guillotine I, choke, Chris? He had me in a guillotine choke. He mm. called it a Superman choke. Okay. Um, but yeah, basically a guillotine. Wow. That's crazy. So you caught him at the big left, huh? Yeah, caught him with a big left. And I mean, we're talking about like, this had to be like 03, mm -hmm. you know? So, I mean, even the even the name for some of the submissions were, uh, were all, it was before Eddie Bravo had renamed everything. And right, right, yeah. Eddie got, got those uh, wild names for stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, Chris, um, martial arts in general, um, what has it done for you personally, like, um, as a human being outside of, like, fighting? Everything, everything. I mean, for, first and foremost, martial arts kept me alive. You know, mm -hmm. um, I, I, I don't, I don't make any hiding about it that I've had some battles with that with alcohol and drugs. You know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, you know. And if it wasn't for my desire to compete mm -hmm. and and my desire to compete well and have to sober up for those events in my twenties, I think I might have killed myself. You oh, know? Geez. I think I might have died from from that addiction, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so it did, it did give me that. Mm -hmm. Also, you know, um, it, it's taught me, uh, you know, obviously respect, honor, drive, um, work ethic, mm -hmm. you know? And, 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 and one thing that I think people forget about with martial arts is attention to detail. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I'm extremely detail oriented nowadays. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, sometimes to a flaw, Sometimes mm. to a flaw, you know, it's like if somebody ties their shoes off center, it bothers me. <laughs> I, I kind of have OCD as well, Chris. That's so funny. <laughs> like, you know, it's like my coach, uh, uh, Barrett Yoshida says, how you do anything is how you do everything. Absolutely. You know, yeah. Spend a lifetime trying to per perfect something, mm -hmm. you know, that bleeds over into every aspect of your life. And I think it's made me, uh, it's what's made me, uh, uh, I believe, a pretty good referee, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. uh, I also, I also believe a, a, a solid instructor. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and um, you know, obviously, all the adversity, you know, the 
my battles with with, with addiction and, mm-hmm. and and my battles in and out of the cage, you know, have yeah. brought me to a point now where, um, you know, I'm somebody that a lot of people reach out to, and uh, you know, I can provide them with, uh, you know, um, a helping hand, you know. Mm-hmm. So whether whether they're uh, whether they're dealing with uh, with drug addiction or or just issues with life, it seems mm-hmm. like uh, a lot of people call me because they're like, well. Fuck, man! I know Lieben's been through way worse. You know? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. You feel like they can tell me, or you know, or something. But uh, yeah, you know, um, I think all that, all mm-hmm. that came from martial arts. I mean, really, you know, most of the uh, the, the the positive character traits that I have, mm-hmm. in one way or another, came from martial arts. You know, yeah. Because again, it is it's it's my it's the majority of my life is you know it's what I love. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's crazy, Chris, because like, um, you know, they say everything happens for a reason and there's always a positive you could take out from bad situations. And um, everything you went through to the point you're at now where you have that experience, you can help other people. I think that's amazing. And I, I know you've been sober for a while now, and I'm, I'm genuinely really happy about that because I am a fan of yours. So, uh, you know, congratulations on that. Um, Chris, uh, so in your in your fighting career, um. Do you have any regrets about anything, or are you at peace with everything you've done so far? You know, uh, regrets is such a hard, uh, that's such a hard question if I have any regrets, because, you know, put it this way, are there things that I would do differently now? Absolutely, yes. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of situations, there's a lot of stuff that I would handle in a different way than I did. Um, but going back to kind of what you said, you know, um, you know, we are a compound result of all of our past actions, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, I'm really happy with, uh, with my life today where I'm at, you know, mm-hmm. you know, I wish I wouldn't have blew all the money I made from the UFC. I wish I would have saved some of it, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, again, you know, I, I am, I'm, I, I have a wonderful family. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a great job. I, I love being able to help people. I love being in a position where, you know, people reach out to me for help and, mm-hmm. and I get a coach, help them physically, mentally, you know. Uh, um, yeah, so so I, I don't think I would call it regrets, but definitely, yeah, I wouldn't do shit the same, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know. I yeah. wouldn't be out getting getting loaded the night before a big UFC fight. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, they say hindsight's twenty twenty, man. So, um, so Chris, in um, in your fighting career, what would you consider uh, was it your biggest win for you personally? Oof, that's you know, that's a tough one too. I mean, because you know how it goes, man. Every fight is the biggest fight of your life mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, in, in, in my opinion. Um, you know, and you're only as good as your, as your, as your, you know, your last fight. Yeah. But, but that being said, I think obviously a lot of people would say, you know, that Vandalay Silva knockout huge so, fight. Yeah. Um, you know, when, when I, when I fought him, you know, I had to beg for that fight. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I beat, I beat Akiyama who was slated to fight, uh, Vandalay. Mm-hmm. You caught him with the triangle, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I ended up, and that was uh, 14 days after I had knocked out Aaron Simpson, I triangled Akiyama. Wow. Um, 
So at the time, I think those were the closest back-to-back fights in uh, in history. A mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, couple guys got me beat by a day or two now. But uh, with that being said, you know, um, Van for me, Vandalay was uh, you know something I had to I had to ask for, lobby for. Dana didn't want to give it to me at first, mm-hmm. um, and I think everybody, you know, across the board, thought I was going to lose in that fight, probably myself included. Mm-hmm. But uh, it didn't. It didn't matter to me because I wasn't fighting him uh, to win. To win wasn't my goal. You know, Vandalay is who I emulated a lot of my style from. When I first started training, even before I was at Team Quest, mm-hmm. you know, there was an old Japanese uh, toy store in Portland, Oregon, and this guy would rent me the bootleg Pride video. Yeah, yeah. Recorded <laughs> off of us. Sky Perfect TV in, uh, in mm-hmm. Japan, you know. So I was I I, I grew up watching that Vandalay. Yeah, you know. And so um, he was my hero. That's who, that's who I wanted to fight. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know the fight the fight was it was over quick. You know where it, it worked out good, and it was pretty. Uh, somewhere there's a video. Um, my agent filmed it, start of the fight from the bell all the way up into my hotel room afterwards. Wow, that's um, crazy! It's a one take video, and it's it's pretty epic to watch. You know, from all my friends watching the fight start, the fight winning, to mm-hmm. walking out of the ring, going straight up to the hotel. <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's crazy. That that was such a big win for you. I remember that also. Um. Chris, real quick, um, I only have a couple more questions for you. You've been so gracious with your time. Um, so a non-fighting question, Chris. Uh, this one's a little deep. Um, so how has being a father changed you? Um, is there like a big mental shift, as they say? Yes, definitely. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, I didn't, I didn't have a dad growing up, you know, mm-hmm. so... Part of me sometimes questions, you know, like I don't, I don't really have anything to base what being a father is supposed to be like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't have anything to base that off of, but, uh, you know, all I know is the highlight of my day is every time I get to come home and see my kid and play, I would spend every minute of every day with him, you know, mm-hmm. if I could, and, wow. you know, you realize that, you know, mom and dad are, are this human beings whole world you know mm-hmm. and and you know um it's it's it, it's my job to give him a a, a better opportunity than than i had mm-hmm. you know and and, and also I, i'm sure all parents think this you know they think their kid's the smartest and the the most handsome but, uh, <laughs> yeah but my kid really is he's mm-hmm. the smartest most handsome funniest kid <laughs> yeah you know and uh, I was I was just uh, so blessed, you know. I was really I was really worried um, that he was going to have some of uh, some of my learning learning disabilities. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but he doesn't have any of those, you know. He, mm. he, he he was blessed, you know, with you know ten fingers, ten toes, mm-hmm. great brain. He's athletic, mm-hmm. um, you know. So you know, right now the sky's the limit for him. And it's Absolutely, so fun to watch to watch him learn and grow, um, you know, one second. Yep. Can you bring him in, please? 
you know, to watch to watch him learn learn and grow and develop. It's like every mm-hmm. day it's something new. Yeah. So really, um, I mean, he's the focal point of uh, of my life. You know, mm-hmm. everything that I do indirectly is to benefit him. Mm-hmm. You know. You know, so there's that motivation there, you know, whether I'm, whether I'm about to start a fight in the back of my head, I'm thinking about his Cheerios. (laughs) Yeah. When I'm going going to work, I'm thinking about him when I'm, you know, all the stuff that I do that, that drive and that motivation. And, uh, you know, also, you know, kids don't keep you sober, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, it's a lot of hard work that keeps you sober, but, uh, but uh, I put in the hard work because I know what I didn't have, you mm-hmm. know, and what and what uh, what I want him to have. Yeah. No, I understand that, Chris. I grew up pretty much without a father as well. I had a stepdad. And, uh, he passed away when I was young, and um, I don't have any kids myself. I'm 39 right now. It's probably not going to happen for me, but you never know. I mean, but you're truly blessed. That's amazing. Um. So, Chris. Um. You. Oh, you're welcome. So are there any guys out there, Chris, that you actually enjoy uh, watching compete? Any, you know, fan of anybody out there? I mean, yeah, there's a, <clears throat> there's a lot of guys that, you know, that I, that I, that I love to watch compete, you know, especially being a, um, a referee here in California. I yeah. get a chance to work a lot of the amateur shows and I get to watch these guys go from, from amateur to pro and then, and then continue on. And just the, uh, the way that the sport has changed and developed, you know, every year it seems like it's progressing even faster. Absolutely. Um, so, so, so that being said, you know, you know, like, like wonder boy Thompson, like his, his striking, his long outside fighting, mm-hmm. you know, is it, it, phenomenal. Khabib, his ground and pound, the way that he does it, it's everybody. It's not new at all. It's mm-hmm. that's old school team quest stuff, man. And yep. he just does it. It's nothing fancy. Mm-hmm. He just does it freaking perfect, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I mean, so for each each guy, each top guy out there, there's something in particular that that I watch that I that I like from them, mm-hmm. and and I try to uh, I try to take that and then transmit that in my coaching, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. That's that's so, really uh, smart, actually. Lately, uh, I've been watching because I've been doing you know the bare knuckle. So, uh, yep, Lomachenko. Yep. Oh, he's amazing! Amazing. Watch, you know? mm-hmm. I'm I'm left-handed, so uh, you know he's stand. You know he's in that left lead. Yep. Um, I think he's traditionally right-handed, but uh, but just his footwork is on a whole nother level. Yes. Than anybody ever. You yes. Know? So I, I I sit there and just dissect his footwork, and then I'm I'm blessed to have uh, um, some really um, progressive uh, striking coaches uh, at mm-hmm. my gym here, the arena. You mm-hmm. know, so that so we're all on the same page. You know, and, and we go back and we and we start we break it down and we train it. Mm-hmm. You know, because mm-hmm. if you're not if you're not growing and evolving, you know, you're dying. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, Lomachenko is something special. I think he actually has like a, a dancing background or something that probably like helped his footwork. He's wild. Yeah, I think his dad pulled him from boxing and put him in uh, in dancing. And mm-hmm. I, I think he started with with gymnastics, which is actually uh, I think Khabib too. You know, they uh, in Russia in communist Russia they they started they start all kids in gymnastics. Mm, I didn't know and that. Wow. There they, 
and then from there they move them to uh, whatever specific sport they think is kind of tailored for them. You know, so mm-hmm. uh, my son right now uh, is doing gymnastics. You know, mm-hmm. so he does he does gymnastics right now. We've already got a. Uh, they're not supposed to start jujitsu till they're three, but uh, mm. is going to give me a waiver, let him get in early over at the, the University of Jiu-Jitsu here in San Diego. So that's great. That shortly. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, so, Chris, um, last question for you. Thank you so much for your time. Um, so when you do step away from, from all active competition, I know you're doing the bare knuckle, you know, thing right now. Um, do you have any like big plans, uh, maybe starting your own promotion, maybe the crippler fight team, anything in mind? Yeah. You know, I do. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I've always been pretty ambitious, you know, and, uh, and that, that's something that, that hasn't changed. Um, you know, I got some irons in the fire. I got some big goals, probably, not ready to blurt them out to the world just yet, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, but we definitely, we got a few irons in the fire. Um, one, I think that, uh, that is, that is pretty obvious is, is refereeing. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I may fight one or two more times. We'll see, mm-hmm. but really, you know, my, my career for the next 30 years, you know, my goal mm-hmm. is to be refing the UFC, refing Bellator. Oh, that'd be awesome. Traveling the world, traveling the world and refereeing fights, you know, um, and I look at that as, uh, as such an honor and, uh, you know, I take the job very, very seriously. And mm-hmm. I think that's something we need more of, you know, we, you know, we use, uh, we use old fighters to do the commentary and everything else. I think something like refereeing, you should have, a uh, an ex high level fighter. In oh yeah. Understand. Yeah. Absolutely agree. Chris on the same page. Yeah. Because you have an inside understanding of things going on, you know? Right, right, and I mean it's it, it, it well, there's there's it's twofold in the way that uh, it's not to say that if you never fought you can't do you can't be a referee, but mm-hmm. if you never you better have at least done jujitsu. You got to understand all the positions, but uh, but I th- I think one, it's those guys that deserve those jobs. Mm-hmm. It's those guys that people want to see in those jobs, and and then two, it. It's it's certainly a benefit, you mm-hmm. know, to have somebody that's been in a war and can look and know, hey, this guy wants out. I can tell mm-hmm. he's done. He wants out. Versus, no, this guy's taking a beating, but he he's still he's still in this fight. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. these are things. These are intuitive things that you have to be able to uh, to, to understand as a referee. Absolutely, absolutely, Chris. Yeah, it's great to see that. I really hope, um, you know, and, and it also with the judging, because you see some like wonky judging sometimes in MMA fights. And yeah. it's like, yeah. man, you got to get some guys a fight experience in there. <clears throat> you know, um, well, I, I will say this. I, I, uh, I think, I, you know, MMA judging not as bad as what I've seen in some boxing judging. Oh, yeah. <laughs> totally. Yep. I, I will. I won't say any names. Um, and and, and um, from that point, I think uh, California, definitely, we have the highest standards as far as judges and referees go. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's some there's some other states where uh, they're just kind of behind the curve, you know, and, and, and some of the judges are, are not 
proficient in the sport that they're judging. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you, that's great if you judge boxing for 20 years, but if you haven't been involved in the sport of MMA for 20 years, well, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, you know, we're talking about apples and oranges here. Yeah, totally. And it's sad because, you know, oh, man, one fight can make or break somebody's career, you know. It could put them in an upward or downward trajectory. And then when it's like a bad decision, it's heartbreaking, you know. You know, and here's what, yeah, one of the rough things about our sports is, you know, you let's say you go out and you fight a a, a three or five round war mm-hmm. and it, you end up you end up taking a split decision loss that most people disagree with yeah six months down the road the only thing everybody remembers is who won and who lost yes you're right nobody nobody goes back and goes yeah but you know what i thought he won that fight and mm-hmm. you know they don't think about that when they think about who you're going to fight next yeah you know, and where your career is going you know, you get two or three of those in a row, man, and it, it can be heartbreaking. Yeah, that's totally true. Um, Romero was kind of going through the same thing because um, they were talking about him fighting out of Sonya, and then people were saying, well, he lost Acosta and Whitaker. And, you know, the hardcores, they're like, hey, a lot of people think he won those fights. But like you said, on, right. on, the, on paper, right. he lost. Yep, that's it. That's it, you know. And, you know, those people will be all over the Internet. <clears throat> talking about how it's unfair and, you know, he lost those fights and, you mm-hmm, know, it's mm-hmm. just, uh, it's crazy. You know, it's, uh, that's one of, the, one of the things about our sport though. It, it you got to bet big to win big, you know, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. you see, you can, uh, it can be, uh, it can be a cr- crushing or it can be the most amazing thing ever, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's just, that's just, that's, that's a, a lesson for life right there. That's how life works. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Chris, uh, I mean, that's all I got, man. I want to thank you so much for your time. It's really been an honor to talk to you. And um, I wish you the best, um, you know, in your personal life and and, in your fighting career, man. Cool. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Have a great day, brother.